Let's just pray. Father, we gather together today knowing that, that we are your children, knowing that it's your good pleasure to be the father of our life, Lord. Father, we just thank you that you can see into our hearts, that you can see what we need. You can see that uh, our hearts uh, desire you, our hearts desire to experience you. Lord, and we just thank you that uh, you'll minister powerfully today, that your spirit will move as your spirit wills, and that all of our hearts will be touched all of our hearts will be edified, exhorted, encouraged in the, the truth that's Jesus and in the life that came shining forth out of him. Amen. Glory to God. What do y'all want to talk about? Well, I can just say we've been talking about how you can't look to anyone for any kind of life. If you look to someone to give you something and they let you down, it's just miserable. It's it's like, it's Jesus, you know, that you just got to keep calling on him to fill all those places that you've looked to other people to fill. And it's like, just been really good just talking with him about that and yeah I definitely struggled with that a whole lot in the beginning of my marriage like I expected you know him to bring me happiness and I was miserable I was making him miserable you know and so like once I realized that I was not God's intent for my husband to make me happy and that happiness came from him you know our marriage got a whole lot better <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I was, yeah. right, I was a lot happier. He was a lot happier, you know. So that was a big thing for us. <laughs> and we used to meet with Greg regularly, you know, and I'd have these little things. I'd be like, oh, Greg's going to get him today, you know, because I'm like, he did this and he did this and he did this. And, then, you know, so I'd tell Greg and I'm waiting for Greg to lay into him. And he's like, why does that bother you so much, Michelle? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Get him. Well, it's not to suggest that maybe some of his behavior was at all. Right. No, no, no. But but the problem was within my heart, you know, like what I was believing about the things he was doing. Yeah. As opposed to what he was doing. Yeah, what significance are you placing on it? Right. Right? Right. And what you just said, Deb, we don't wanna we don't wanna understand the truth with the carnal mind. Because we can even take the truth and if we understand it with the carnal mind, it will still work frustration and death and angst inside of us. Right? Even though we start with a, a, a statement that's the truth. I mean, the Bible starts with many statements that are the truth. And now when the carnal mind reads it, it turns it into destruction. Right? So it doesn't mean we won't get things from people. It doesn't mean that people won't do things for us that are nice. And the question just becomes what what place in our heart are what what's the the site we're looking at when we think of that, right? What is the significance in our heart if we expecting to get someone from something or we want to get something from them? What level is it on? Are we thinking that the power for us to find contentment and satisfaction and wholeness and peace and love and joy is found in that? Or are we just thinking that that would be nice? Right. Because one will leave us feeling OK if it doesn't go down that way. Right. One. If we, we might feel a little disappointed, but it won't leave us feeling wrecked and offended and angry. The other one will leave us judging the other person unrighteously, right? Because if you first begin with an unrighteous judgment about yourself, 
which is that which is the seal of the deal on you having life is found in what they would have done for you. That's an unrighteous judgment. You're judging your life unrighteously and you're judging what can give you life unrighteously. That will always result in you judging other people unrighteously, right? And it will leave you in the place where you're looking at them. I, we've said this before in here, but we, we were talking about it the other day. The law of expectation, right, can really cause you to suffer. Yeah. Where you go into a situation with an expectation of how you think it needs to go, how it should go, and what it means if it don't go that way. And the expectation becomes a law. That's why we call it the law of expectation. And basically what we mean when we call the expectation becomes the law, that expectation we have gets exalted. And then that expectation judges our life as good or evil. Whereby if what we expected goes down, our life is very good. That means we're very good. Our life is very good. They're very good. Everything's very good. But if what we expect it doesn't go down, that begins to minister to us that our life is evil. Yeah. And not just our life is evil, they're evil, right? And now we're going to come and address them or engage with them from the foundation as if they're evil, right? As if they're in the way of us having life. Jesus never saw the people that were against him as being in the way of him having life, right? He never saw it that way. He never saw the people crucifying him as them being able to stand in the way of him having life. I mean, he said a lot of things, but one of the things he said was, no man takes my life. I lay it down willingly. I know you cats think you're real strong. I know you dudes think you got some power because you're wearing some purple linens and stuff. And <laughs> you other Roman dudes, you got some metal plates and some furry things on your head. And so you think that y'all are like all that in a bag of chips. But I promise you this, ain't none of you could take anything that I don't lay down of my own accord. Right? And so he didn't see it that way. That's why he didn't get offended. That's why he didn't stumble. Hmm. Right? The law of expectation. I've learned not to expect anything. And I don't work that with the carnal mind. What I mean by that is I've I have an expectation that life and godliness is going to manifest out of me. And nothing can keep that expectation from coming to pass. And that's the only expectation I live by, right? And I see that that expectation is true and righteous because I see that same expectation was in the Lord Jesus. Right? It's called the assurance of faith. When you're walking in the faith that was revealed in Jesus, you have an assurance that within that faith is the power or the strength or the grace of God to manifest life in you. So I'm living by that. And that expectation is satisfied. Right. But outside of that, I'm not I'm not even looking at life that way. Right. Man spends so much time trying to devise their lives. We spend so much time trying to plan our lives. Right. Because we we busy thinking if we can plan our life in such a way and it can go down in such a way, then we're going to be happy. Right. But the steps, our steps are ordered of the Lord. Right. And so we it's not that we can't make plans. It's not that it's evil to you know think, well, this is what I want to do. It's that you don't make plans setting up some type of law of expectation where you're thinking the power for you to enjoy life is found in the plan. Because then you can never take a detour and still be happy. Every time there's a detour, every time something goes awry or goes this way or that way, you feel completely wrecked, right? Instead of thinking, listen, my steps are ordered by the Lord, which means I'm walking in the light of life. So even should the whole plan get uprooted and planted over here, I'm walking in the light of life, which means I'm walking in a life that makes all things that got crooked straight, right? right? And so now I feel great strength to, what do they say? Reconnoiter, right? You reconnoiter. 
right? I mean, the life of God is like a compass, and it will always lead you in the right path. It will always lead you in a path that's oozing with peace and love and joy, right? And so we 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 set up our plans. And like I said, there's nothing wrong with making a plan. But normally when we make a plan, we confuse that plan with the vine that produces peace and love and joy and all these things. So we rarely just making a plan thinking, oh, we'd like that. I think that would be cool. We normally busy making a plan thinking of what will give me happiness? What will make me whole? What's the power under satisfaction? That's normally what it means when we making a plan, right? And what we, we want to do is we can have ideas and we can be passionate about things we want to do. And we can go after those things with everything in our being. But we ought not look at that as if that's the power unto or the vine that produces the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Our steps are ordered of the Lord, which means that His life is the vine that produces the fruit of the Spirit. And whether our plan, quote unquote, goes exactly right, or whether it gets completely subverted and moves over here. We're still walking in the path where there's a vine producing the fruit of the Spirit, right? And that allows you to to live in this world not wrecked by what happens, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Then your plans don't become so heavy. I don't know if you realize it, but the things you plan, it's not a good plan if it's full of heaviness. That's a bad plan. That, that's the first indication there's something wrong with your planning. That's the first indication that your plan has been built on uh, sinking sand and not on the rock that is God, right? And you don't need to feel bad about it, but you ought to take a deep breath and ask yourself, what is it you're hoping to get out of this plan, right? Allow your heart and your thoughts to be discerned immediately in that place. What am I wanting to get out of this plan, right? Because that'll tell you how you're going to feel should the plan not go the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. You'll immediately know, right? What's going on there, <laughs> right? So what do I what do I hope to get out of this plan? And can I actually get what my thoughts are out of this plan? Or am I trying to suck something out of this plan that I can really only get from God? And rather commit my desire for what I want to get out of this plan into the hands of God yeah. and tell God I want to get that from Him. And I also want to walk this way because I think it would be real cool. I think it would be neat. I think it would be keen. I think that's what James was getting at in chapter four. He said, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a time then vanishes away. What you ought to say is if the Lord will, we'll live and do this or that. Yeah. Yeah. It takes the expectation away. Because you can you can get offended at God if your if if your expectation is based on a marred image that's been planted in you that you don't even realize is a marred image, and then it don't go down the way you think it went down, and next thing you know you're offended at God. Oh, yeah. you will be offended at God if you are trying to get the fruit of the spirit out of your plan. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll see God as ultimately being in the way of you having the fruit of the spirit. And if that dude would have just shown up like he was supposed to, right, then you'd have what you need. And so you start seeing God as the stumbling block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, so that will result in, in tremendous offense. Does that make sense? You guys yeah. understand that? It's kind of like what Thomas said. I can't remember what he said, but he said something about make plans, but don't judge the result. Yeah. Right. So that's what his mom said. 
It forms great aunt. It basically, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, have plans, work your plan, but don't plan for results. Okay. Uh, you, you can do a lot of things that are righteous and good, have integrity, right? And if it produces nothing, that's fine because you've still done the right thing with integrity, regardless. Yeah. Poured out for someone, yeah. regardless. You still lived out of the heart. I mean, that's what Jesus says. I keep bringing it up, but in Isaiah, Jesus said that. I emptied myself and it was all in vain. Right? I was supposed to come to the lost house of Israel and I was supposed to gather them to you. And I emptied myself and it was in vain. Right? So he went about his business with great integrity. There's no greater integrity Absolutely. than how Jesus went about his business. Right? He went around doing good to everyone, healing the sick, demonstrating himself to be that which the scriptures pointed to. And they rejected him. And so Jesus said, it was all in vain. Right? So many times if we don't think our plan has worked out, it was all in vain. I labored in vain. I can promise you this. That is the judgment of the carnal mind and the judgment of the world. Right? And there's nothing wrong with having that feeling. But you want that feeling to then be back-ended or book-ended by what Jesus says right after he says what he feels. When he says, yeah. I labored, I emptied myself, but it was all in vain. There's not a period at the end of that. There's like a colon. And then he goes on to say, but my judgment is in your hands, right? oh God. Meaning, I feel this way, but the real judgment about whether or not my labor was in vain about whether or not I emptied myself for nothing, about whether or not I spit myself and didn't produce anything, actually the judgment of my life is actually in your hands, God. And then God comes in and talks and talks about how it wasn't in vain. And not only will he have the, the, the Israel, but he'll have the Gentiles also, right? And it, we can so often be looking at the results and then judging our life by the result we thought we needed to get or that we needed to have. And then we can conclude, what's the point? Do you know how many times I've yes. said to the Lord, what's the point doing this? You know how many times I've said to the Lord, I've emptied myself. I've said everything there is to say, Lord, and no one wants it. You think God's the one who come and sat down and told me that? Yeah, bro. Nothing's happening. Your labor is in vain. It's worthless. <laughs> Go on to the beach. Get your tan. You, you, you see those thoughts it's not that it's evil to have those thoughts we can we have a mortal body we we're in a world that has decay so there's nothing wrong with having that feeling but we want those feelings to be served by the lord when they come up we want to know enough about the lord to know that he's the only one that can actually discern our life and what is in vain and what isn't in vain and we ought to take those feelings to him knowing that he will discern our heart and he will encourage us in the truth right i've thought that a million times then what's the point Right? That it was worthless. I think that's one of the hardest things for humans. We establish judgments before we let the Lord weigh them next to the truth. And then we run down the road with those judgments. And they bring us great pain. <laughs> right? That's one of the most powerful things I think's happened in my life. Is I hear the voice of God all the time now. Who told you? Right? Because when you're busy, like walking in that, it's, it's all, what's the point? Nothing good is happening. No one is receiving the truth. Blah, 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 blah. And I don't mean you guys. A big part of why we started the church was the passion in my heart was for the, the whole body of Christ to come into the unity of the faith. 
And that was like the vision I had in Colorado before we moved here. I saw the heavens open. I saw the spirit moving across the face of the earth. And I saw God say clearly that for 2,000 years, man had been trying to build their church. And now he's going to build his church. And it was going to bring to bring the body of Christ into the unity of the faith. Right? Well, it could be true that I saw that. But how do I know what has to go down for that to happen? But I'm all the time judging what I'm doing based on whether or not I think any of the other ministers are coming into the unity of the faith. Right? The law of expectation. That's why I had an expectation. I'm going to come here and I'm going to preach the faith. And all the other ministers and churches are going to say, glory to God. And we all going to come into the unity of the faith. And we're going to sing Kumbaya together. Right? We're going to play patty cake and sit around the campfire and roast marshmallows. <coughs> that didn't happen. And not only did it not happen, people rejected me. Do they still reject me today? And so if I were to conclude, that means... The body of Christ isn't coming into the unity of the faith. That would be an unrighteous conclusion, and it would be born from the knowledge of good and evil. It would be born from me looking at what I see with my natural eyes and then judging whether or not it was full of life or not. Right? Like Gwen told me one day uh, when I was lamenting about this with, with Brad and Gwen, she reminded me that it's the body of Christ. And do you see any spots and blemishes in Jesus? No. Well, there ain't no spots and blemishes in the body of Christ either, right? And what I see is there's a certainty that the church will be brought into the unity of the faith and nothing can stop it. And I ought to live by that certainty because guess what? There's great hope in that certainty. And that certainty will save my soul in the day I'm being tempted to look at what I see in the world and have the world tell me that the body of Christ isn't coming into the unity of the faith. Right, Because there's great weakness in thinking that your labor is in vain. There's great weakness in thinking that the body of Christ is not coming into the unity of the faith. Because then you feel like, what am I doing this for? What's the reason, Lord? Right, And that's I'm just using myself as an example, but we can all feel like that in our heart. Yeah. Why am I doing this? Right? What's the point? Where's the good goodness I thought would come forth for me doing this? Right, And then we could be sorrowful. And weak, right? Filled with weakness instead of filled with strength. Disappointed in God. Disappointed in God. Bitter. Disappointed in ourselves. Disappointed in people. Bitter. Disappointed. Dis bitter. Yeah. Bitterness can take hold. You become bitter about life, right? It's like you're you're drinking bitter water all of the time. All because of expectation. <laughs> and, and, and judging. The expectation, like just for me, I have an expectation that the body of Christ is coming into the unity of faith. I think about the insanity of this, even based on my own theology and beliefs. Why would I be looking at what I see in the world to try to determine whether or not that was happening? Yeah. Right. That's insane. You look at what is unseen. Right, that's right. insane for me to do that. Right. But there I was doing it. What, were you, what did you want to say, Matt? Well, it's because we have a, that expectation. We're looking at how we think it's going to go down. Yeah. I heard a wise man say something one time. He said, there's no security in what God is doing. There's only security in who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess that would depend on how, you, how you're yeah. viewing what God's doing. Yeah. And if yeah. you're viewing it according to worldliness. Well, I mean, if you have an expectation of how it's going to go down and it don't go down that way. Yeah. We, 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 and this is how most things are. There is something that is from heaven that is that's heavenly, that's of a heavenly substance, like we'll take like expectation. There's an expectation yeah. that is in heaven. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Right? But then the world tries to copy that same kind of thing with a worldly expectation. And I think where we get into trouble is we don't see that we do have an expectation, an expectation of life. But where is that expectation found? Right? And what is it that will always give us that certainty of life manifesting? Right? And, and then us living by that expectation instead of us looking to things in the world, trying to have an expectation for life in those things. Right? Because there's only, we should have an expectation. Yeah. We should all be walking in this world knowing of a certainty that life will be made manifest in us and our lives will overcome whatever tribulation, whatever weakness, whatever corruption that's in this world, right? Because we see in the Lord Jesus, we have that expectation. God himself has that expectation. You know why God's, you know why God ain't worried about the body of Christ and whether or not they're coming in the unity of the faith? Because he's actually living by his own hope. Yeah. He's got a certainty that nothing can keep it from happening. That he sent forth his word and it will accomplish its purpose. Right? And so God sent forth his word to accomplish a grand, large-scale purpose. But he also sent forth his word to accomplish a purpose in you. And the purpose he, he wants to accomplish in you is him forming his life inside of you. His peace, his love, his joy inside of you. And he wants you to live by a confident expectation or a certainty that that life will come forth out of you, regardless of what happens in the world, right? And that sets you free from the law of the world's expectation, where you're busy devising your plans, expecting to be able to get life out of the plans that you make, right? And that's an uncertain thing. And even should your plans come about, right? You can find yourself, your plans came about exactly the way you thought you wanted them to go. It's like a grandiose level. And yet somehow you still feel empty. <coughs> and that, that, that's even worse than if it didn't come to pass. <laughs> and you're bitter about that. I, there, I can't remember the famous baseball player, but there was a famous baseball player who lived his whole life wanting to win the World Series and uh, win a game in the World Series. And then he, he did. And he afterwards he's in the locker room during the celebration. It was just like, is that all it was? Is this it? Yeah. Is this it? Right. See, because he was expecting something out of that World Series that you can only get out of God. Winning the World Series does not carry within it a certainty that you will be filled with peace and love and joy. Finding the right spouse doesn't carry within it a certainty that you're going to find peace and love and joy. Right. Having the right job doesn't carry within it a certainty. Having money doesn't carry within it a certainty. Having people like you doesn't carry within it a certainty of peace and love and joy. Having the world validate your life doesn't carry with it a peace and a love and a certainty. No, being noble according to the world doesn't carry within it a certainty of peace and love and joy. Being wise according to the world doesn't carry in it a certainty of peace and love and joy. Being strong according to the world. Having the world celebrate your talents and your gifts and your beauty and your money and your intellect. All those things. None of that carries within it a certainty of peace and love and joy. Right? And some would argue there is a certainty. Jim Carrey. He said he wished everyone would be rich and famous because his thought was then with certainty, with certainty, you'll realize it brings nothing to you by way of your <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, if only Jim Carrey could also realize in all that that his opinions aren't very much more than dust, you know? Not just about that, but in, in general, because it's interesting that Jim Carrey says that because then he's out on the road trying yeah. to establish his own opinions and judgments about so many things. Yeah. Right. As if there's something great about his opinions and judgments, mm -hmm. almost like he was preaching to himself, almost like God was preaching to him mm -hmm. right through himself. 
right? Because something you find about famous people, they tend to think that their opinions mean something. Mm -hmm. That people care. And I don't blame them. I think the world come along and taught them their opinions mean yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, the world actually believes that people who are famous, their opinions mean more than anybody else's opinion. Mm -hmm. Right? Listen, not only do their opinions not mean more than anybody <clears throat> else's opinion, I just hate to break it to everybody. All of our opinions are as worthless dumb. <laughs> and the reason why human beings suffer is because human beings repetitively try to exalt their own opinions as if they mean something. But their actions, too. So Amy Winehouse dies with alcohol uh, poisoning, dying alone in some sort of room and being rich and famous. So by their actions, too, they demonstrate that there's it's not there. Yeah, It's just not there. Yeah. It's the testing of the spirits. This is hard for human beings to come to. No one harder than me because I felt like I knew the right way. And if people could just get on board with what I said was the right way, everything would be great. And I mean, I believe that when I was a little kid. I don't. I, I really believe that. I looked around. People are not paying attention to what how things should be done. I am paying attention. And if people could just get on board, we would all have a good life, right? But human beings need to come to the place where none of them know anything, right? Where all of our opinions are worthless. There's only one person who knows anything. It's God. So should any human actually speak any type of understanding or wisdom? It would be because they got it from God. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It means for you to stand in awe of God and what God knows. Well, in order to stand in awe of God and what God knows, you would have to first say, I don't know anything. That's why humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. Right, So if in your own eyes you know something or you can gain knowledge by your own ability, listen, that you're not in the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And so the, the, the place everybody could come to where we could start to see something good happen is we could all say all of our opinions are worthless. Your opinion's worthless. Our, your testimony is worthless. My testimony is worthless. Right? And I don't mean like my life story. I mean whatever I could testify of. And it's like what John said, test the spirits. Right? God has given a testimony. Right? God gave a testimony. He gave a testimony in Jesus. And so the testimony of God was made flesh. So we could behold the testimony of God. That testimony still abides in human flesh. Right? Now every human ought to come together and say all of our testimonies are worthless because God has given a testimony. And we ought to give more careful heed to what this dude has said. Instead of walking around all the time trying to give heed to what we think. I mean, the insanity in the world. We'll just pick one of the biggest the biggest movements in the world right now, uh, climate, and we're destroying the earth. Listen, I'm just going to say something real simple. Unless you created the earth, you got no clue about what can destroy it. That's right. And you ought to just shut up. <laughs> it's just the truth. I mean, imagine the insanity of humans that can't even figure out how something was created, yes. why it's here, but now we know that it's being destroyed and how it's being destroyed and what will stop it from being destroyed. It's insanity. And that's just one That's just one area that's like, you know, a big... And I only bring that up because you have people on, on every side that have like lots of opinions yes. about everything. Right. And so they're arguing about their opinion when we, my, my goodness, the fact that they could even feel that strongly about their opinions is pure insanity. Right. It's pure insanity.
I mean, God has reconciled the world unto himself. God's the one who created the earth, right? It's God who holds everything together. We don't hold everything together. We don't even understand how it's held together. But now we're going to understand what's going to destroy it and what's going to prevent it from being destroyed. And then we're going to fight to the death about it. And we're going to, I mean, both sides. I mean, one side wants to inflict poverty and death on people, right? To save the world, save the planet. The other side's like, ah, who cares? I quit reading too soon because James goes there. Mm -hmm. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings and all such rejoicing is evil. Yeah, we rejoice in our boastings, in our own opinions and understanding. I say it a lot. There's one rabbi. His name is Jesus. And if we want to have our thoughts developed in understanding and wisdom, that's the place we would want to go to with the Lord and connect with God and acknowledge him as the only one who understands, where we would actually come to God and be able to say, Lord, in myself, I don't understand anything. I don't, and I can't, right? And neither can I gain it from anyone else, That's right. but from you. Now, from that place, you'll find yourself taught of the Lord, and you'll find yourself being able to discern spirits and discerning what's from the wisdom of God and what's not, Right? Does that make sense? A lot. Yes. It's just another form of humans thinking that they're God. Mm -hmm. Right? It's a it's a it's a form of idolatry that doesn't call itself idolatry. Right? We're gonna now worship our own hands to preserve the world. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing as worshiping our own hands to preserve our life. Yeah. Right? We're gonna manage the death in the earth. That's idolatry, right? That The reason you know it's idolatry is because it's bringing forth the fruit of hatred and envying and gossiping and backbiting and killing. And we must kill the people that don't agree with us. What's interesting about God is nobody agreed with him and he didn't think he needed to kill the people in order for his way to stand. One of the things about wisdom is it doesn't see that it needs to destroy or kill that which disagrees with it in order to be exalted. Wisdom will be exalted. Nothing can keep it from happening. Life will manifest. It will be seen. Every It doesn't say, well, if we can do this right, then every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. No, no it says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Right? Amen. I mean, even the demons... When they encountered Jesus, have you come to torment us before? They knew he was Lord. He didn't go looking for them. He was just walking around. I think the, the three words that came up a few times and has come up a lot in the past is, who told you? If we could just remember, who told you? Every time we're looking to whomever or whatever in the world to find life, yeah. you know, and, and satisfaction, you just remember who told you, who told you. And in any situation, yeah. it just brings you right back to what, what is God saying? What yeah. is God saying? Yeah. It'll catch you up in hearing God mm -hmm. the second you realize, wait a second, who told me that? Yeah. This, why am I thinking this? Where did it come right. from? 
Yeah, with every thought. Yeah. I think that was when you brought up the expectations and other people and looking to other, that was one of the, like, that was so huge for me, you know, years ago, which is not to say that I still don't get confused sometimes <laughs> and look to things for life. Um, but I know that's not where life comes from, you know, but that was, that set me free from looking to people, my kids, husband, you know, my husband for life and looking to God. And one of my prayers lately has been, you know, I, we all know how God has, and I shared this in the ladies Bible study, how God has cared for our lives, you know, and we can look at all the physical things that he's, you know, and the things he's done for us, you know, and provided for us. And, but my prayer has more been, show me how you've cared for me in Jesus in the resurrection. And that's where I want to be filled in my heart, not looking to the outward things, Yeah. but in him. So whenever I find myself lately, you know, I just ask, you know, trying to find life or not finding life in something or feeling off. I just say, you know, you bring me, you give me, give me what you are in this situation that I'm looking for in that. Yeah. You know, fill me with that. Yeah. Well, we look not to the things that are seen, yeah, but the things that are unseen. For right. the things that are unseen are eternal, and the things that are seen are only temporary. Mm -hmm. What's happened in that is you've been you've been persuaded that the care you're actually after is found in God. Yes. Yeah. And so now you want to see it there. That's yeah. the first step. Yeah. You have to first become persuaded that the care, whatever it is you're trying to get, you realize that's actually found in God. Right. right? And then the meditation of your heart or your prayer to God becomes about that about seeing it, about him unwrapping it in mm -hmm. your presence, right? right? right. About right. your heart being fixed on that. I, I still remember this day when I told the Lord, I don't care about nothing. Mm -hmm. All I care about is eternal life, mm -hmm. right? You, your heart ends up forsaking it. Yeah. I, your heart forsakes what it can gain from the world because it realizes it can't gain what it thought it could from the world, and it can only gain that in God, Right. right? And then you start inquiring with God about that, the care mm. that's in him, that he has care, he is caring, he shall care, right? He He has given your life the care it needs. He is giving your life the care it needs. He shall give your life the care it needs. The thing with God is he's always present, active, participle, which means it's always happening. It happened, but it's an ongoing happening, yeah. right? So we can say it happened, but it's an ongoing happen. That's why you could say be continuously filled with the Spirit. It doesn't mean you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit again, but it means you can be stirred up by the Spirit continuously. And how are you going to be stirred up by the Spirit continuously? By continuing to hear the faith, yes. by continuing to inquire about this great salvation that has come to us, that is even so great the angels wish they could get in the room and look at it. Yeah. Right. And you begin inquiring into that. One of the biggest stumbling blocks for people is they're not inquiring into the great salvation that has come to us, which salvation doesn't just mean to be saved. It means wholeness. It means completeness. Right. It, it's abundance. And so we spend so much time inquiring into the world and what we can get out of the world that we spend very little time inquiring in, into God about this great salvation that has come to us. Because within that is everything we need, all the nutrients that will enrich us with the life of God. Right? And it's like the gospel leads you to the place, like you say. That's where you're at. Lord, all I care about is eternal life and the fruit of the Spirit that comes forth from eternal life. That's really all I care about. Because I, he persuaded me that's what I was really after. Because he kept asking me, what do you think you can get out of that? You ought to ask yourself that a lot when you're after something. 
Because it will save you a lot of pain. It will keep you from being tempted. It will keep you from doing things that are destructive, trying to bring about your plan. Because if you really think your plan can serve you with life and the plan starts to go awry, you'll find yourself doing unspeakable things trying to keep the plan going. Right? (laughs) There's no end you won't go to to try to support that plan. But what is it I think I can get out of that? That's That's one of the things the Lord asked me. What do you think you could get out of that, Greg? What is it you think you could gain? If you have that, you attain to that, you get that. What is it you think you've lost or that you're losing and not having that? Right? And that's God will reveal your heart to you. Right? And you, you'll, you'll begin to, he'll, it'll disconnect your heart from thinking gain or loss is found in that. And you realize gain, you've gained all things already in God through Jesus. And now you're inquiring into it. And you realize what you have in God can't be stolen from. It can't be subtracted from. So you can't lose what you have in God, right? It can't be taken from you by the world. There was a test. God conducted an experiment for us so we could see that we couldn't lose what we have in God from anything that happens in the world. He took his life and he let the world do everything it could to it. And what did you see happen with his life? Bloop! It stood back up. Did it look like it lost anything when it stood up out of the grave? No. I've got to tell you, it looks like it took ground. <laughs> yep. Because before it came out of the grave, it had a body that could perish. And when it came out of the grave, it had a glorified immortal flesh that was free from sin and death, never to be able to die again. And so even, even in the world trying to take what we have in God took more ground. And so then God starts reconnoitering, setting your heart on that which is incorruptible, things that are eternal, right? Instead of things that are perishable. Man, that's all I can say. You know how you talked about Michael Jordan, you know, (laughs) going to the... person he was going to do something with and he told him exactly play by play what I'm going to do I'm fixing to do to you Mm -hmm. and I see that over and over and over again in the scripture where God is speaking and saying this is what I'm going to do and then he did it but they didn't know he was going to do it like Linda said they didn't know I said had they known and he she said but they did <laughs> so they were they were still operating in that wisdom of the world and so that's going to take me back to this latest on Christ being the wisdom of God and how you know we when you say that when we look at Christ we see what God's intentions were the whole, the whole time now so the fact that that anytime I have anything going on with me, I already know I'm dumb. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say that as a as a put down of me. I'm saying it as giving God the space to be able to show me what his viewpoint is about any situation that we need to that we're going to go through. And so with that, Christ being the wisdom of God, he's the wisdom about everything because the only problem that mankind had is we didn't have eternal life. So everything that ails us 
is based out of we didn't have eternal life, which is love, joy, peace, all of the fruit of the spirit, the nine of them. That is all based from that. So anytime there's angst in us or angst in me, I, I automatically, I'm dumb. I don't even know why I feel the way I feel. So I'm just going to sit here with you and let you tell, show me what is going on in me because I don't even know what's going on in me. Much less somebody else. I don't know what's going on in this man if he's carrying on and acting up. I'm, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to ask God, you know, what's going on in Brad? So he can show me how to operate with him. You you see what I'm saying? How to be with him, how to how to minister the life that there's something missing here, which is life. So everything that every human being is dealing with is even Christians, they're they're grasping after stuff because they feel like they don't have life. They're arguing, there's where do wars come from? Because you're lusting, you're lack. There's, that's life. You're wanting really what's behind this. Okay. We think it's this, but this is the life right here. And so he's just made it easy for me when you start talking about Christ being the wisdom of God. Yeah. Like, and like you just said, I don't even know why I feel the way I feel. Do you know how much pain and suffering comes in people's lives when they decide why they feel the way they yeah. feel? Because when you feel a certain way, you're busy trying to conclude why you feel that way. Yeah. Because you think the way to be set free from that feeling is to first find out the culprit. Yeah. And if you, you can assign the blame, if you can, if you can, if you can label the culprit, if you can assign the blame, then you can, then you could carry exactly. out your assault. That's right. You could set your course of action, right? And so, man, we establish so many false judgments just from that perspective. Deciding why we feel what we feel, and also deciding what other people That's right. are feeling and why they feel that way, or what they're doing and why they're doing yeah. that. And just like it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom to understand why you feel the way you feel is to sit and ask the Lord, yeah. what's going on in me, Lord, that I feel this way? That's Before right. you make any conclusions, yeah. right? Because the moment you come and make a conclusion about why you feel the way you feel, listen, man, if you ain't sat with the Lord, your conclusion is not going to be right, right? Yeah. Unless it's been discerned by the Lord. And the yeah. moment you come and decide why somebody else has done what they did, yeah, right? that you hadn't got your wisdom from the Lord, then you're not dwelling in wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in every situation. Yeah. Not just like ethereal wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding in every situation. So if you ain't busy inquiring of the Lord about everything that you see, everything that you feel, and that doesn't mean you have to stop and go talk. It's an ongoing thing that happens yeah. in me in real time now. Where it's just working in me. I'm all the time understanding that. God has shown me his wisdom in Christ. And so it's not like I have to stop and have a verbal communication. I have seen the wisdom of God as made flesh in Jesus. And that discerns what I feel when I feel it in real time now. It discerns what I see in other people when I see it in real time now. It's the father of my conclusions about why I feel what I feel and why other people feel what they feel and why they do what they do. It's called walking in discernment. So as that's growing in you, yes, you can physically stop and say, Lord, I'm feeling a certain kind of way. Yeah. What's going on in me that I feel this way? Right? And then you'll find the Lord showing you. And then as you start to understand, as he discerns your life, guess what? 
all of us are the same. That's why there's a temptation common to man. And so once the Lord discerns your life for you and your heart and shows you what's going on in you, you begin to understand what's going on in the people around you. You begin to understand their heart. And then to Gwen's point, you can dwell with them in wisdom, yeah. right? You can dwell with them in wisdom according to the, the fear of the Lord instead of dwelling with them according to your own feelings of lack. Most of us dwell with people based on our own feelings of lack. Yeah. We do. Our interactions with people are mostly born from our own feelings of what we don't have and what, how we can get what we say is right for us to have. Most of us are walking around in the earth living that way. So our interactions with people, we don't even realize it, yeah. are largely shaped by that. Right? I could come where I decide that real life is found in this. And I could be spending all my days striving for that. Well, now all my interactions are centered around that. Yeah. Right? And centered around if I think I don't have that. Or if somebody else is in the way of me having that. Right? Or if I can use someone else to get that. Right? I'll end up having friends that can help me get that. And I'll end up despising the people that can't help me get that. Right? Do you see how that shapes your life even? Right? And so that, that controls so much of what we think. And so much of what we feel. And so much about how we interact with people that we don't even realize it. And you don't have to like stop and try to fix it all. Yeah. But if, if you just start looking at the wisdom of God, the wisdom that was revealed in Christ, it will set you free from all that. And you'll no longer be living by lack. You'll no longer be living by striving. And so what immediately will happen is your relationships will be set free from being shaped by lack and shaped by striving. Now you're, you're not even really having relationships if your relationships are born from lack and striving. You having something, it ain't a relationship. You're not really... Engage with the person. It's a tick. It's a tick. <laughs> well, you're a tick and you think they're a dog. Exactly. <laughs> it's the lust it's a lust ship. That's what it it's is. It's a lust ship. You you trying to suck out of them. Right. Yeah. If you're trying to suck something out of another person, you are not knowing them as the image of God. <laughs> and you're not knowing yourself as the image of That's God. That's the point right there. And you can't know someone else as the image of God if you're not first knowing yourself as That's the image right. of God. That's right. That's right. And what does it mean to be the image of God? It means I was created to be indwelt by God. And in being indwelt by God, I would be whole through that, perfected through that, right? Healed through that, whichever word you like to use. That's what it means to be the image. You were created for him to indwell you and through that find perfection and completeness and wholeness, Right? And so if you're not busy knowing that about yourself, and so you're filled with lack and striving to try to indwell yourself with something worldly that you think can be the seal of the deal, that will be the evidence that you lived a life well-lived. He lived a life well-lived. What the? Screw that. There's only one life that's well-lived. It's a life where you see you're the temple of the living God, and that God has come to indwell you, and that makes you whole, right? That's the life well-lived. But if you don't see that and you're busy trying to fill up your own temple with whatever it is you can latch on to, whatever you can accomplish, whatever you could gain, all that kind of stuff. Listen, you're not knowing other people according to their, their personhood or their value or their beauty. You're in real time subconsciously interacting with them based on your own lust. And you don't even realize it. And therein lies what Galatians, Paul is saying in Galatians when he says to the 
Galatians, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you because Christ is image likeness. Yeah. Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is the life of God. So that life that is in us already through what God has done, they were trying to bring them back to a place of lack when the Judaizers came in. Yeah. They were trying to bring them back under the wisdom that is contained in the in the world. And so that's why Paul is saying, I, I, I travail again until this wisdom be formed in you, because like we we what you shared, what you talked about, the Christ message was uh, that scripture in Colossians that says all the treasures, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge dwells in Christ. And now Christ dwells in me. So the whole out there is basically trying to get me to deny what I already possess. Yeah. To pull me into corruption, to pull me back to that that death that is in the world. To try to defile your your temple. That's exactly right. Yeah. That and, defiling. And since we we talk about expectation, yeah. Paul says there's an expectation mm-hmm. of the fruit of the spirit inside the wisdom that is Christ. Yeah. The faith that was revealed in the Son of God. That's why he talks about the faith. Of Jesus Christ. That means the faith that came. Because he said faith came. When he talks about the faith of the Son of God, yes, Jesus believed this same faith. But when Paul said he lived by the faith of the Son of God, he's not saying he lived by uh, Jesus believing. What he's saying is there is a faith that came and was revealed in the person of Jesus. I see in that faith is a certainty and expectation of life manifesting in me. Right? And that's the faith I'm living by. Right. And that's what he talks about in uh, Galatians uh, five and six, where he talks about you have a certainty of righteousness. Righteousness would be the fruit of the spirit. He says you have a certainty that this faith that was revealed in the son of God, it shows itself forth in our lives by producing peace and love and joy. That's what he means when he says, but faith, which worketh by love, faith, not believing faith, the now. The faith, the now, shows itself active by producing love in people. So if you want to love, if you want righteousness to be born in your life, well, the expectation of having that in your life is found in this faith that was revealed in Jesus Christ. I know we like to say, well, love, we we, we do it backwards. We say, well, faith will come from love. That's not an untrue statement, but that's not what Paul's talking about there. Go look up that word faith. It's a noun. It ain't a verb. So he ain't saying that you'll believe on God by loving that verse. He's saying this faith that's a noun that was revealed in Jesus, within this faith, it carries with it a certainty of the life of God. Yeah. Right? That's where wholeness is. So even if you could see something in your flesh that you think ain't whole, well, you would still live by this faith. You wouldn't try to perfect your flesh. Right? Which is what the Judaizers had those dudes doing. That's right. You coming? So even if someone, even if, even if you could say there's something wrong with this flesh. Like, even if you could say within yourself, there's something wrong in my emotions. Yeah. There's something wrong in how I feel. There's so- okay. Well, the answer for that would still be found in the faith known as Jesus Christ. That faith will make you whole. That wholeness is dwelling in you if you believe on Jesus. Working wholeness in you.
and your mind, will, and emotions. Mm -hmm. Glory to God.